The IDP Pros Podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is back with their Circa Survivor and Circa Millions contests. $14 million are up for grabs. Get all the details at CircaSports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A Sports.com. The IDP Pro Manager Pod is a proud member of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, home of the hottest, smartest, and fastest-growing sports gambling and fantasy football providers and professional sports entertainment today. And now, without any further delay, here are your veteran senior IDP pros, Craig and Gary. Slacking, I mean sacking, today's hottest NFL IDP. Damn it, sorry about that. Hello again. It is Friday, July 21st, 2023, and you are on with the IDP Pros Managers Pod. I am Craig Reith. And with me, as always, this is episode 21, Gary, the IDP tipster. Gary, how is July 21st treating you on the end of the week? It's going great, man. Getting excited. We're so close to freaking football. I can almost smell it. How about you, brother? Yeah, it's school stuff is starting to pick up, having to get all that stuff for the kids Mm -hmm. and then all sorts of crazy stuff. So running around, keeping busy, but it keeps me out of trouble. So that's good. This week, going into NFC South Stock reports. This is going to be our last week of the divisional reviews of mainly veterans going our stock up, stock down for the 2023 season. And next week, we're not completely sure, but maybe we'll be bringing you a mock draft offense and defense blended. We'll see what we want to put together for next week. But we have news for you. And we're starting to get into, as Gary mentioned, football coming up here with people reporting to training camps and all that. So we do have some NFL news here for you. First up, we have from the Cleveland Browns, defensive tackle Perion Winfrey has been released from the team. He is a relatively new player. He is 2022 fourth-round draft pick, and he has been released following and he's been named as a suspect in a alleged robbery incident, and this comes after he had an incident that was dropped, but I believe it was some sort of an assault earlier in the year that he had been named and that got dropped. So enough of at least alleged issues with him that he's been dropped. We'll see if he gets signed on anywhere else once stuff gets cleared up completely. This is more breaking news. This just came out today on the old Twitter. I saw 28-year-old free agent defensive end slash edge player, Dwayne Smoot. He was visiting with the Ravens, but he re-signed with the Jaguars for a one-year deal worth up to $6.25 million, but $3.25 million guaranteed. So they're continuing to bolster that edge position for the Jaguars and the high hopes they have of making more noise in the playoffs this year. Speaking of big noise in contracts, Steelers signed edge Alex Highsmith to a four-year $68 million contract extension. So they're going to have him across from J.J. Watt at that edge position for the Steelers for at least a few more years here. And after that breakout year he had last year, certainly they appear to want to lock him up for the long term. And most NFL fans can rejoice. The league has officially approved the sale of the, for now, Washington Commanders from Daniel Snyder to a group of investors, but the main one was Josh Harris. Sale was set for $6.05 million. So that has gone through. Josh Harris is the new majority owner. 
he's been out celebrating with fans and there's talk that they're going to be doing another name change so they've gone from the name that shall not be named to the football team to the commanders and who knows what is next but they've certainly got a lot going on there merchandise yeah more and more jerseys with different names certainly and people you know rightfully so will be excited again and speaking of excited in a couple weeks here i think it's what three weeks but by my math three weeks there's the fantasy football expo that is coming up in canton ohio there's festivities starting on some people do get there Thursday night, but certainly Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then some people do some things into Monday, but that's down in Canton. And Gary, I know you're going to be there and a whole bunch of people from SGPN. What do they got going on for the expo this year? Man, I, I'm excited just to sit in the room and listen to these guys make these plans for the for the expo, man. you got to come by the SGPN booth for one thing on Sunday, and I believe Saturday this year there's going to be some uh, – like contest prize gives away believe me they've got big plans man you want to check out that sgp and booth for sure check out their flag football team hey i'll be there i'll be there i'm not playing i'm all broke down you don't want me on the field at this point i guess i i might be able to throw a ball but once then the shoulder goes out and it's all over but man big party friday night you know we got the king's classic i guess you're going to be in Everybody stop by. And also, before we start on our division, I just want to remind everybody, we still haven't given away the Roquan Smith jersey. It's for the BC Classic and uh, Breast Cancer Awareness. We're still posting that on Twitter. Only thing you have to do is you just have to uh, make a small donation of any, you know, like three bucks or anything. And then a snapshot with uh, a Twitter post of hashtag IDPROS, IDP Pros, and share it. Are members able to join? Should I be donating to to try to win that jersey? Or yes, sir. We exclude nobody. This is this is that's the one I bought. I got it in the package. I'm like, you gotta, be, you know, this ain't happening. So yeah, I, I'm just gonna probably get a frame and everything. But I'll I'll order you your own. Is how this will probably work, folks. Sounds good. The IDP Pros Podcasts on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network are brought to you by Circa Sports. Circa Sports is the sponsor of Circa Millions and Circa Survivor, which are both back. Over $14 million in guaranteed prizes are up for grabs. With the Circa Millions, you have five NFL picks against the spread every week. And with the Circa Survivor, you just pick a different money line winner each week of the season. Enter in Vegas, play from anywhere. The Sports Gambling Podcast will be out there in the last weekend of August. Come join us. Get all the details at CircaSports.com. That's C-I-R-C-A Sports.com. What would you do with that money if you won? I, for one, would retire. And my survivor pick to start the season is going to have to be the Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champions, taking care of business against the Detroit Lions to start the season Thursday night in Week 1. And going into the... Divisional review for the last one here. Alphabetically, of course, we got the Buccaneers first. And standard leagues got Ryan Neal as a guy that you're liking heading up here. So he's moving from the Seattle Seahawks, where he was sort of the useful, certainly during the year, replacement for Jamal Adams whenever he was hurt. And now he's with the signing of Julian Love. They still have Jamal Adams. Quantre Diggs is still there. He decided to move on. He is going over to the Buccaneers to be a safety next to Antoine Winfield Jr. So 
What are you liking about his situation there in Tampa Bay, Gary? Well, he's definitely stocked up compared to where he was in standard leagues last year, flashing or not. So, I mean, I'm looking at an overall aspect, but I guess the recent report is that him and Winfield will be switching positions and Winfield will be the free safety is the rumor. So, Putting Ryan Neal more in an aspect of what we would look at Winfield last year being in the box. So uh, I would say knowing this, uh, the history of this defense, uh, despite the fact they, they haven't got the pass rush, I don't see the value in Antoine Winfield this year. I think that it's going to be a sneakier play to get Neal, and he's going to be playing closer up into the box. You're kind of seeing Winfield as a guy trending down then with that change? It's a super tough call. Uh, when they originally started last year and they had two healthy safeties with Edwards and Winfield, they actually did a like a rotation where they would move Winfield deeper on the field, put Edwards up, and things were working out really well, and they were working out well for IDP for the most part too. And then the injury started happening. So a lot of that switched. It wasn't a very big window of it to begin with. That interests me with Winfield, thinking that it is possible that Ryan Neal and him could possibly do some type of thing like that. In the overall aspect of uh, thinking of the, the box safety or the deep safety, if Winfield's playing deep, it's just not known for producing yeah. at a DB1 level. So why would I? be interested in Winfield unless I'm looking at him more as a uh, DB2. I'm just not excited about Winfield. Last year, he performed well, but his injuries and such, he never did really reach that top tier, in my opinion. It's something to certainly keep an eye on. Of course, you know, we're talking about a lot of these things with what they're saying coming out of training camp and pre-training camp. Make sure you see how these players actually get used and what the actual plan is, because things change. Injuries happen. Who knows how it's going to play out. But if you're drafting right now, it's something to be paying attention to and be aware of with the difference between those two safeties and the current plan that's out there. But in standard leagues, this is going to ruffle some feathers. Certainly, you got Devin White with an arrow pointing down. After his performance last year, PFF hadn't loved on him. He hadn't had glowing reports. He didn't take that step that you would traditionally think he would at that point in his career, especially after the performance he had his rookie season. Of course, we keep saying it. The problem is, is Levante David is also there getting his production, which I'm preferring this year altogether, even though the guy might be on his last year or two. Uh, I mean, he's still at a high level play and I'm preferring him over taking any shares of white of what he's going at, at least in the ADP sleeper leagues that I'm in, you know, by their ADP. And just in general, I've seen him going into his top five. And I'm just not interested because of the performance. He has just not managed to peak again. We got to get that level back up to somewhere in the, the area it was his rookie season for us to keep crowning this guy a top option. So I think part of this is, and I, I think, uh, Gary, you're referencing his second year in the league because that's when he had the 140 tackles and the nine sacks and we've seen this with other players where you know gosh there was someone that i was just thinking of uh shaq leonard's another one where his rookie year he came on and you know just exploded 
And then he had nice years the next two after that, but people are still chasing that high from that rookie year. And I think it is sort of the same thing with Levante here where that second year was a breakout. And he's had good years since then. I mean, the past two, he's had three and a half, five and a half sacks, eight tackles for a loss each year, some pass deflections, then 128, 124 combined tackles. Those are good numbers. Those are certainly some, you know, linebacker one weeks in there. It's just you're not probably going to reach back to that 140. And like you mentioned, Levante David is there. But I do want to say he's in a contract year. And we know that that can be some motivation for some players out there. And, you know, he made some comments about not wanting to be in Tampa if they don't want him or wanting to be traded, you know, previously in the year. So you could see him have another very nice year while he's searching a paycheck. I'm not saying he's that type of person, but there are those players out there. And we've seen that time and time again where that contract year. Huge point there. That's some deep shit. Just like this next guy I'm going to talk about is a deep league guy. He's, uh, I think, a little bit stock up, or he's coming off some good momentum. When it comes to Anthony Nelson, last year he got the opportunity to step in after Shaq Barrett got hurt. And he actually outperformed the, uh, I believe, second or third round props, uh, Joe Chiron. And Anthony Nelson actually came in and played on the strong side, which is the harder side to play as a edge rusher. He played better and actually had some decent deep league play last year. I was advising uh, on my start-sit charts that he would have some decent opportunities, and he did. He performed on those opportunities. So I'm going to stick him on here. And the main reason, Shaq Barrett, you know, he was injured. Uh, Joe has not lived up to his, his draft status, I guess you could say at this point. So I'm just throwing a little dart out at Anthony Nelson in some super D-gen leagues just to see what happens. And so with that, are you kind of feeling you're down on Joe trying? Yep. I, I guess I didn't say that in the same breath. In the same breath, I'm I'm down on Joe anymore. I mean, he had a little he had a little upside last year, especially with the draft stock. And I mean, he just maybe he's performing well for the Bucks, but he's not doing it in the uh, box score for us. Winfield Jr. I mean, did you have any more thoughts? I like him long-term. You know, like you mentioned, though, if he is going to be switching to free safety, you're probably not going to be getting that higher level unless it's sort of free safety in name and they're switching like they had done years before. It's not going to be what you were excited about. The only thing that might save you is that, you know, he is still a ball hawk. He is still a playmaker. But at that point, you're betting on those big plays, which are so hard to, one, get, and then, two, count on. Um, You're just playing with fire at that point. So if you're more of a gambler and you want to try it, uh, go for it, but I think the end of the year you'll probably get burned more often than not trying that. The IDP Pros Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Underdog Pick'em is also a great way to get down on your favorite Major League Baseball and College Baseball player props. So many ways to win over on Underdog and active in so many states. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. Before we uh, get into that, though, we did have a question here from Jamie. Thoughts on Harold Landry coming back after missing all last season? He's been getting them 
in round 30 of Superflex IDP best ball draft. So you think that's a fair spot to be taking him? Here's my general thoughts about any edge rusher that's coming off any type of knee injury to begin with. I don't expect anything out of them for the first year back, at least for the half of the season. So I usually avoid them if I'm thinking about a redraft. Now, when it comes to a dynasty, that's a whole new ball game when it comes to Landry. I'm going to put them on my squad if I have room and let them sit or see what happens. But it's pretty tough. It, you know, it's I kind of have my doubts about Gary up in Green Bay. I'm not I'm not grabbing any new fresh shares of him at the moment, unless I happen to be thinking about Dynasty. But at the moment, I'm not. So you've got to be a little bit concerned. These guys make a living on bending that edge, and they need they need those knees and they need those legs. So I, it usually takes a little bit. I've never really seen anybody that I can think of. I don't know about you. Craig, but anybody that you know of that's ever had a serious knee injury and then came back and had a Pro Bowl year? I, I don't know of any off the top the of the following my head year. I, I would have to sit and look into it. The only thing really in Landry's yeah, favor is tough. I mean, Landry was out all of last year because he had injured like, you know, September or something like that. So he's had basically a full year to be sitting out and rehabbing where Gary, I think, got no, I think it was November where Gary got hurt. So he's on a much shorter time frame. They work miracles. They work miracles. I, I I just, like I said, I have a hard time putting a lot of stock into it. I know that like on Sleeper, you'll have the dual designation for Landry, which just really ups that value even more as a IDP play. Still a lot of risk there. And uh, Dave, we'll get to your question in a little bit here, but we're going to make sure we get to the Falcons here. Uh, Standard League's heading up. Gary, you had the sort of the inside linebackers there, like more of like Caden Ellis, Troy Anderson type of guys. Are you liking both of them? I know you've talked about Caden Ellis quite a bit. Love Caden Ellis. I think he's going to be the guy to actually come in here and hit the grand slam IDPs. He, I, I love this kid. I've been watching him. Well, we all watched him last year and him following his former defensive coordinator to Atlanta on purpose because this kid knows this defense that they're going to be implementing. Um, I, I love him. Uh, Troy Anderson, I keep waiting for them to make another signing or re-sign Evans or something like that. But as long as Troy Anderson is the guy, he's definitely even in standard league stock up because we have seen it in the past. Even though there is going to be a scheme change, think a little bit more of a New Orleans scheme than, than the former Falcons now. But there's still room for two productive guys in here. And the question is, in my opinion, is Anderson going to stay on the field for two downs or three downs and what kind of packages are he is he going to be in you know production by default hey i love it it counts in idp every year and it's going to matter standard up on troy is nowhere near what i feel it is with ellis and anderson you know he's a guy that he didn't completely play linebacker his entire time at college you know he had played quarterback running back fullback then he moved to linebacker. He's a super athletic guy. He's got a great size, 236 pounds, six foot four, just really raw. And he showed that last year, but he was productive in a few spot starts last year when he was able to get on the field for the majority of those snaps. So he is certainly something really interesting in Dynasty. And if he is going to be out there for three downs, like you mentioned, Gary, that production by default that we've seen out of Atlanta lately from those linebackers, it could be huge for you. 
And then this feels like you're just getting on after someone's age. But Calias Campbell, one of the old guys in the league, he had him with uh, Stockdown here on his new team. It's not just age. I, I have some concerns. I think they've built a very formidable veteran and one of the best-looking interior defensive lines that they've had in a long time as a group around Grady Jarrett. But that long in the tooth and thinking of the scheming that might be implicated, I am not sure that there's going to be anybody that's going to be standing out. Again, on age, the, the guys went to Baltimore. He, he Where was he? Uh, Pittsburgh originally? Either way, his last year in Baltimore, he was nowhere near the level that he had played before, and it's kind of a different scheme. He's 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 not the big edge rusher dude that he used to be. So I would have to say that you know if you don't know this in standard leagues, you definitely might want to be looking at some of these newer and brighter guys, especially for dynasty leagues. And uh, Clyde's had nine years in Arizona, three in Jacksonville, and then three in Baltimore. So he's been a couple places. That's right. You can tell this is going to be his 16th year in the league. He's been around. He's a crafty veteran at this point. But the days of double-digit sacks are well behind him. And he's going to be playing more of an interior defensive lineman than he is off of an edge rusher like he was at Jacksonville. Deep guy, guy that uh, had been... Really good his first few years in Cincinnati were, you know, first three out of his five years there. He had over 100 combined tackles, quite a few pass deflections. He's averaged uh, almost three interceptions a year for his career. Jesse Bates on his new team with a big contract going from Cincinnati to Atlanta. There's nothing not to like about the whole situation in my point of view. I think it's really similar to the situation when he was drafted in with Cincinnati. As Cincinnati built after Jesse Bates, they got a lot better across the defensive line. They, they just the whole situation changed in front of them. So the production was not available deep in the field where he plays free safety normally. We look at Atlanta's pass rushers. Okay, now Lorenzo Carter, he had a decent year last year. I actually you know, liked him in a few deep formats and start sits and suggested him, and he came through and past all things that I like to do with them in flying collars, put the back, but his ceiling is everybody else's floor. So we got to avoid him. Um, we're going to talk about the other guy. They just read drafted last year, but I mean, nobody's standing out, but Dupree has not been able to do anything for a couple of years. And we have an aging interior defensive lineman. I'm afraid we're going to see pressure, but we ain't going to see that pressure. That's going to, make a difference if that quarterback holds that ball a couple more seconds. I think we're going to see a lot of secondary play, and I think we're going to see a lot of Ellis and Jesse Bates cleaning up just out of volume this year. That's how I look at this defense as a whole. And Jesse Bates, I, I love to say that he was a standard up as well, and he possibly could be, but at the price of a DB, a dime a dozen anymore, it's really hard to say that in a standard. So I'm just going to say a deep up. Leading to David Owen Mata. Onomata, yep. Wow. Uh, this guy, I just wanted to bring him up as a deep down. He's been on people's um, radars for a while, and he now he's in the center of this interior defensive line. I believe that his main role may end up being the nose tackle position. That's a, one reason not to like him. But for another, he's just never really lived up to anything. And I'm still throwing out the red flag about the whole – 
I, I want to see something come out of this Atlanta interior defensive line before I ever suggest going here right now. Uh, I, that leads me to he was their he was their big profile guy coming in the last year. Uh, there were a lot of people that was hoping for him to be able to you know make a difference, and he hadn't. And right now they brought in Bud Dupree, and that looks like a signing that puts Arnold E as a depth player in rotation. I think they're hoping that he, um, Mr. Evacati, decides to grab, go out and you know take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and grab that role from Bud Dupree. We haven't seen a whole lot of Bud Dupree since he left Pittsburgh. He got injured, of course. That was part of it. He's getting up there in age a little bit. And uh, Arnold here, he's just you know 24 years old, second-round pick last year. He had a couple flashes in a few games, but it certainly seems like he kind of hit that rookie wall towards the end of the year. Sometimes it takes these guys a couple of years to get it figured out. Sometimes they don't figure it out, but I think they're hoping with that young defense that he's able to earn a role and uh, go ahead and take that from Bud Dupree. So Dynasty, he's certainly a hold. If you're in deep IDP leagues for redraft, you know, where you're playing a lot of guys, maybe you grab a hold of them. But generally speaking, you're probably not drafting him in most leagues at this point. And I wanted to mention about uh, David on that interior defensive lineman. He kind of feels like he's another example of people chasing what they've seen for a couple of years. So, you know, this is going to be David's, I think, eighth year in the league. He had spent all of them with New Orleans. He's had really two good years. He had six and a half sacks, 44 tackles, and 10 tackles for a loss in 2020. Last year, he did all right, 43 combined tackles, five sacks, five tackles for a loss. And he is, like you mentioned about Caden Ellis, going from New Orleans to Atlanta. So I think there's some people grasping onto that. But it's not going to be the same situation. And I think you are maybe deep defensive tackle required leagues. If you're taking them as your third defensive tackle or something, you might feel all right about it. But, um, yeah, it's hard to go ahead and consider this guy in standard leagues at all. Right. Hey, Dave, we didn't forget about you, brother, but. Real quick here, let me tell you how you can enter that Roquan jersey contest. Hey, all you crazy IDP fans. We are hosting the IDP Pros Breast Cancer Awareness Giveaway, where you can win a Roquan Smith Baltimore Ravens jersey. All you have to do to enter is donate $3 or more to any nationally recognized cancer organization and post a pic of your donation with the hashtag I-D-P-R-O-S. That's hashtag I-D-P-Pros. The drawing will be held on August 24th. Find more information on this podcast's Twitter page or on any of your favorite IDP Pros accounts. Enter today and help us bring cancer to its knees. What are your guys' general thoughts about Tredavious White this season? Hashtag Bill's Mafia. So, Going back a ways here, you know, Tredavious White came into the league. He, I think, got second in Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he was behind Marshawn Lattimore, his Rookie of the Year, when he came into the league here in 2022. He's had a couple really nice seasons in 2019 and 2020. You know, he was a pro bowler. He was an all-associated press first team, second team. He's had nice uh, interception numbers to start his career, but then he got injured. So in 2021, he suffered a non-contact knee injury towards ACL. And then last year, he uh, was trying to get through the season pretty much. 
He was on the pup list for a while. He made his return to play on Thanksgiving. And, you know, they had to sort of phase him in. They only played in six games last year and didn't do a whole lot. But are you sort of expecting, maybe not for fantasy, because we know really good cornerbacks aren't necessarily really good for fantasy football, but are you expecting him to bounce back and sort of return to form now that he's had time and he did come back last year for a little bit? I was hoping you was asking Dave and Dave could somehow <laughs> answer you. It, it's a cornerback, man. Yeah, I, I'm going to sit there and stream his ass if he starts producing. He was an elite guy, and this kind of bounces back on the idea of the whole injury situation to begin with. Next team up here are the Panthers, and we got Jeremy Chin. He of that safety linebacker hybrid, one of the more productive ones that we've had in the NFL to this point. Gary, you got him on your standard looking up here, and I know there's a lot of people still taking him in that you know top 10 of defensive back. So you're thinking he's going to have a chance with that linebacker core and the way they're sort of revamping it and haven't done a whole lot, revamping the defense, but haven't done a whole lot with the linebackers. And he's going to have a shot to possibly play more linebacker like he has. Yeah, I think in general that's down. He, he, he's he been a letdown for the last year or two. And I just wanted to really bring this whole topic up by putting him in here thinking of how he performed last year when he did play. And the fact that their best guy that they brought in for inside linebacker through free agency after saying they're going to move Frank Louvu all over the front seven, which means that he can't be playing the inside linebacker next to Shaq Thomas all the time. There's my edge. I think, I think Chin is going to actually maybe be that defensive backslash linebacker again. I'm not sure we're going to see two inside linebackers on much if it's not Louvu in some type of package or otherwise, um, according to them, you know, just take a wild guess. So I think in that combination, if that follows through, then we could definitely see a better standard league result from Chen. Yeah, and like you mentioned, they got a lot of guys back there at safety. They got Von Bell, who came over, Xavier Woods, who's been there for a couple of years. Eric Rowe came over from Miami, and they drafted a guy out of FSU in the fifth round, too. Jamie Robinson. So they got a glut of guys there. We'll see if one of them plays up close to that linebacker role, if they use a third safety more like we've seen a lot of teams do because they theory are going to have a really nice set of cornerbacks with J.C. Horn and then Dante Jackson in terms of real-life cornerbacks, again, not necessarily for fantasy. But Derek Brown, big guy, former first-round pick, defensive tackle, switching like they did sort of last year, you know, more to that 3-4. or It might even be this year that I think that they're switching to that. But either way, certainly you're not generally having as productive of players on the defensive line at a 3-4. That's just based on the nature of it. There's your outliers, of course, that you can find. But he is on your guys pointing down this year. Definitely. I, he's not ex- he's not did anything in a better system built, built for a defensive tackle. So... I don't really see anything all of a sudden happening or changing for him here this year. There's just not been enough uh, grade film or anything to indicate that there's another step here. You know, probably just a product because uh, of his high draft status. But it just it happens because of the level of class that you get in each rookie class, which would mean. Even though he's a first rounder, if he would have been in a different different year, he might have went. I don't know, third or fourth or a couple different rounds. That's an example of not saying Derek Brown was a first rounder. I just know he was a high draft pick. But you do have someone on the defensive line here for your deep leagues that you're considering, uh, you know, 
a stock up player, Deshaun Williams there, who uh, came over from Denver. Just because of being a veteran, being thrown into this mix, he's he's been productive on a deeper format. It, it, that's why it's a, a deep stock up. I like his addition to the line, and if there is anybody coming off of this line that I think that's going to end up getting any kind of uh, real production, it's probably going to be Deshaun Williams over Henry Anderson, Shy Tuttle, or Derek Brown. I mean, that's that's where he's going. So just in his leadership, what he's played before, I believe, with Denver for a few years, and then previously he's been in the league for a while. So, yeah, definitely a deep standard or a deep DGN type of guy to keep an eye on. Yeah, he came into the league with Cincinnati in 2016 and then had three years in Denver. Um, a little bit older than you'd think for someone only playing four years. This will be his fifth year. Uh, he turns 31 in December. Um, but to your point, you know, um, he had his best season last year by far for Denver with 37 combined tackles, four and a half sacks, four tackles for a loss. So maybe he'll be able to replicate some of that in Carolina. And that just goes to show on how poor the interior defensive line is looking to it. I'm talking about a 31-year-old. Uh, Any, let's see, who we got next on the list with the uh, all the down? I would have to – I I mean, I would have to say that all hope has to be uh, given up on Gross Mattis at this point. He is a guy that I really like coming out. And the nice thing about last year, he sort of had the first two years in the league sort of similar numbers. And he had similar sack and tackle for a loss numbers last year. It was nothing exciting, like, you know, two and a half and five. But he did have a lot more tackles last year. The whole reason I kind of think, and he's a down two, is this is a really big dude. I mean, when you look at him, he's 6'5", 265, and now they're moving him. In theory, he's going to be an edge player or in a rotation across from Brian Burns. He's a guy that's more suited, I think, to be down. Um, if they actually use him as a defensive end still, if he were to bulk up, I think that would probably be better for him in real life. I just have a hard time getting behind a guy that big that they're going to put out there as an edge guy, you know, standing up more often. Yeah, a great point. I'm going to pose a question to you. So if you were really boiling down to it and you needed a defensive back off of this squad as a defensive back, would you take one of the safeties or would you uh, risk one of the corners? I mean, Jeremy Chin is certainly the guy that I would take if we're excluding him because we had talked about him already. Right. I would go with Von Bell. We've seen him be productive there in Cincinnati, You know, sort of like Jesse Bates. I think he was ready to get out of there. And to your point, we don't really have it sorted out how this linebacker group is going to play out. We have one good year from Frankie. Shaq Thompson's been there for it's going to be like eight, nine years or something like that. And he's a good player, but you know, one good linebacker, Brian Burns, is more of an edge player. So give me Von Bell, who's shown it more consistently throughout his career than Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods is a fine guy to take, you know, in those deep best ball drafts late in the rounds is a, a dart throw like you've talked about. But mm-hmm. I think they went out and they, you know, got guys like Eric Rowe. They spent draft pick because they're just not completely happy with what they had there or, you know, to push these guys, use a rotation. Uh, but I expect Von Bell to be out there pretty much close to 100 percent of the snaps if he's healthy. There's one thing we need, it's consistency. What good is fantasy football content if it doesn't cover both sides of the ball? The SGPN IDP pros have you covered on defense, but we have more to offer than just IDP. Check out the 3D Dynasty podcast with Dave and Brad. That's right, the dude, the dork, and the dynasty. And follow that up with Heroes and Villains. 
featuring Justin Bruni and Andrew Robb. All of the SGPN Fantasy Football podcasts pride themselves on their actionable content. They bring the research and analysis you need to win your leagues. So help support SGPN and download the SGPN app and catch all of our premium fantasy football content. And make sure that if you are watching us over on Facebook or on YouTube, you hit that like button, you get subscribed, or you know, go ahead and follow the page on Facebook since there's different terminology on all these websites, of course, and get those notifications right. turned on so you know when we're live, you know when all the other SGPN shows are live. And you can catch all of them either right away or you can catch us on podcatchers too. You can find us anywhere that podcasts are out there. You can search for the IDP pros and you're going to find Gary and I, and then Gary and Johnny as well. Speaking of catching something, man, catch all the Carl Granderson you can down there for New Orleans off the defensive edge, man. I love this kid. He's, he's actually getting hot. He's been getting hot for the last few months. There's a, a few people out there loving this kid, too. He's got a lot going for him, even though you might not have the draft stock that uh, the depth behind him presumably have. You have Cameron Jordan playing across from him, and he, he's been a great teacher, I think, because Carl Grandison's been there for a couple of years. Uh, he, when he had his opportunity last year, he performed well. He actually, like, overperformed considering expectations for somebody coming in as a depth piece that wasn't even, I believe he may have been undrafted. Yeah. Beautiful guy to get and stash in standard leagues right now because he could make a huge impact as a defensive line play. And unfortunately, yes, here we go. We're going to pick on my own kind and say Cameron Jordan's <laughs> getting old. So he's a little bit stocked down. And I'm also have other concerns because when Marcus Davenport was actually healthy about a year or two ago, and he had a few weeks there where he had a nice stretch and made some production, they actually was playing Marcus Davenport, even times that he was, he didn't produce. They were actually playing Marcus Davenport more on the favorable weak side, a lot more with Cameron Jordan on the strong side. So if they like Carl Granderson, I think we might be able to see the same thing. They're going to put the younger, speedier, more get-at-it guy than the finesse older gentleman on the other side that can work it better in technique than he can just pure ass speed, I suppose you could say. So I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at this, and I'm thinking that if this works out, that uh, Cameron Jordan might not take a huge hit this year, but he's you got to start considering that the production is going to start going down, you know, as the age goes up. And Carl Grandison, to your point about him, he's going to be looking. He had one contract, you know, I mean, one legit contract. If you want to talk about decent money um, after 2021, he got two years, about five and a quarter million. If he continues to have, you know, this upward trajectory, like you mentioned, he was an undrafted guy. He hasn't made a ton of money in the NFL. He's a free agent after this year. He's going to be looking to be able to cash in and, you know, make some money off of what he's done and continue to grow. So that could be a good thing in his favor, too. You know who's going to be knocking? Atlanta. Hey, come over here. Yeah. Join Ellis. Nielsen. Very well could be. And, Gary, I got to knock you uh, a bit here because I think we've gone most <laughs> of the, the time through these divisions, and then at the end here in the deep leagues, you started throwing some rookies on here, which is totally out of character <laughs> for you. But you got Isaiah Foskey and Brian Prezee, um, which were early round picks, both of them for the Saints this year. But in deep leagues, apparently you've gone soft on the rookies and you got some interest in them. 
<laughs> you know, it's a it's a last of the series with these divisions. It's the last team that we'll be covering in this series. And I thought to myself, actually, I didn't think that much about it. I, they're, they're deep guys to start putting on your uh, dynasty uh, uh, leagues. You know, they're they're the next generation. They, they're the possibility. So. I just wanted to bring him up, man. I, I the interior defensive line there. Vita is he's he's been up and down. He's getting old. I mean, hell, he's old now. He's been in the league what it seems like four or five years. So at least possibly, don't quote me. They, they got Kalen Saunders and Nathan Shepard as the the defensive tackles. Shepard, I apologize. They're they're stacking it up, replenishing the stock. Cameron Jordan's going to eventually be moving on. They're, they're going to need that money for something else. And Carl Granderson is still fairly young, so he's going to be sticking around. I like this. I like the development that's happening here in this little rebuild. Uh, it's a positive move. Of course, we're talking about defensive tackles, so they're, they're only going to be so valuable in DL designations. Deep down, uh, former darling people had some hope after Jamal Adams had moved on from the Jets. He didn't do a ton. He still hasn't done a ton in New Orleans, but Marcus May there is a guy that you got pointing downwards a bit. He's not worked out to be the guy that he was supposed to be. He didn't do it quite in New York. He's had injury problems and, you know, going down to New Orleans, which I was never in love with anyways. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I was... I was not against people going to get Marcus May last year, but it didn't pay off for him. So this year I'm bringing it up. It's just time to move on from Marcus May. It, it just does not look like that he's going to ever amount to anything. And with DBs, Diamond Dozen, and even streamable, I just don't see putting any draft stock into him whatsoever anymore. Leading me to asking you about Demarius Davis and Pete Warner. All right, so Warner flashed last year. Came on the scene at the beginning of the year when he was uh, before his injuries. And he had a nice, uh, I believe, a lower LB1 average across the board in points in most leagues. Then he got injured. Of course, Davis, he's a wildly veteran that might have actually started out the season kind of slow while Warner was doing this, but Davis leveled out. By the time that Warner got himself back into the rotation course, it was later in the season. I don't think he did very well or it lasted very long. So he, he's not quite a sleeper this year as he would have could have been last year or maybe would have been called last year. But he's definitely a stock-up guy this year. But if you're looking at a redraft, you want the consistency and a sure shot who are you taking. So, I mean, I'm probably a little bit more down on both of them just because you could see the situation like you kind of did to start the year where they eat into each other a bit more than you did later in the season. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you look at over the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games for Demario Davis, combined tackles, eight, 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 seven, eight, five, seven, eight. Start of the season, you know, six, five, five, eight, three, nine, four, three. So to your point, when Pete Warner was healthy, it was a little bit slower than people had expected. And this is with 100% snap share across every game that he was in. Demario Davis was a every down player out there. And he's sort of really found a niche for himself after, you know, he was started off a little bit slow in his career. He didn't do a whole lot with the Jets his first year. But there's two years outside of his rookie year where he didn't hit 100 combined tackles. So 
I think Demario Davis is fine. He's sort of the name that's out there in redraft leagues. More redraft people probably don't know as much about Pete Warner as dynasty players do. Dynasty players are probably going to be inclined to go with Pete Warner more. I think you're fine taking whichever one goes later and having a fine probably, you know, upside linebacker too on your team. But I just don't see either one of them having one of those huge seasons unless one of them's hurt for the majority of the season. For Pete Warner to do it, if, if there's one of them, it's I, I'd, I'd have to say we're going to lean Pete Warner, but it's it's going to be because he's some kind of interception machine or pass defensive machine. He's not going to be able to do it and combine tackles with Davis next to him. It's just not yeah. happening. And Davis is older, so yeah, you was talking about him. I remember being down on him when he was with the Jets. You know, he was it, when he became their their middle linebacker star for them for a little while, if I re, if I remember right. 13, 2014, he had over 100 combined, and then the last year he didn't. Then he went to Cleveland for a year, then back to the Jets for a year. And that year, that sandwich year with the Jets is when he had that uh, huge season with 135 combined tackles. To my point, it's just he, he's older. He's not he's not that interception, fumble, force fumble. He's just not that kind of player. He's just a grinder that gets you the combined tackles, and he's doing his job very well. So with this, if you're looking for big play, then, yeah, we're definitely going with Warner because he, he does have that instinct to get his nose to the ball. And last year, Davis was the oldest starting regular 100 down, whatever, 100% snap, yeah. but yeah. linebacker in the league at 33. And it looks like he's going to be doing it again at 34 this year for the Saints. So get off my lawn. Standing the test of time, Demario Davis has. Speaking of time, that's about our time here. Any final thoughts on the NFC South? Oh, I like some of the options that they have here. I like some of this. Well, I mean, you got two of my favorite sleepers in here with Carl Granderson and Ellis. So, yeah, I like his division from an IDP perspective. I, it might be one of my better ones or one of the ones I like the best. I'll tell you what, I'm going to go ahead and sign this off and let you carry us out of here. So I can't wait to see y'all next week when I guess we're going to maybe do some blended mock. We can figure out how to do that, huh, brother? Yeah, we'll have to see if we can uh, find one either that's been done or we get one done to discuss with people after the fact. Or It's going to be hard to probably get people to do a mock um, live time at 10 a.m. on a Friday, but we'll see what we can get done. But that is it for us. Gary's going to be recording with Johnny to get the IDP Pro Players pod out for you guys. So make sure you tune in to your podcatchers for that. We will see you next week, and have a great weekend, everybody. We'll